as I learned, to, I, I talked to the director of the of hotel services there, like the head honcho there, and she said, um, she said, surprise and delight are two wonderful words to get to know. And I was like, okay. <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. Brought to you by my path unwinding travel and Sam, welcome back. Why, thanks, Brian. I'm so excited to be here and I'm excited for our show topic and our guest today talking about the Disney wish once again. This is the the topic du jour, the Disney wish. <laughs> it, is the, it is the month of the wish. It is. For our listeners out there, we have another great guest that I'll introduce in just one second. Uh, we have another great guest who was on an early sailing of the Wish, the Christening Voyage, and uh, we are excited to have him on to hear about his experience. We did have a guest on earlier in the week who was also on the Christening, so this is going to be great because now we've got two different viewpoints, and I find that there's a thousand viewpoints on Disney Cruise Line for any particular sailing, so it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to be able to go a little deeper with Jeff on, I think, some topics rather than boiling the ocean on the whole trip, so that'll that'll be fantastic. So. Let me start by welcoming, I already said his name, let me start by welcoming Jeff to our show. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And so, Jeff, you own the My Mickey Vacation Travel Agency, so you've got a lot of experience with uh, with Disney, but why don't you help our listeners understand your experience with Disney Cruise Line with prior sailings and, and other ships? How many have you been on? Uh, where have you gone? That sort of thing. Sure. So we started sailing a little over about about 10 years ago, actually, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary of being on the dream for the first time. Oh, and, congrats. and that was exciting. I know. And it was, it was nice having all the feels coming off of the wish that we had when we first came off the dream. I'm, I'm, my kids were little then we all got in the car, we were driving away from port and we were all like crying and we kind of had that same feel coming off the wish this week. So I'll talk about the emotion about that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, so since since then we've we've racked up. Uh, my wife's done a few more than I have, but I think I'm at 19 now. Uh, we've we've sailed seven times on Disney since COVID. Probably four or five other times on other cruise lines as well. And uh, we were on the very first Disney Dream sailing when it came back um, into action after COVID, and we were on the very first Fantasy sailing after COVID. So it was nice to come back, kind of walk through that process of returning to sailing and then kind of resuming back to uh, some sense of normalcy that we're seeing today. So it's, it's been, it's been a fun, it's been a fun journey to, to take with the Disney cruise line crew and staff as, as we watch them, you know, be excited about returning to sailing as well and seeing how it's progressed over the last almost year. Fabulous. Nice. I, 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 I kind of like that your wife has been on more Disney cruise line sailings than you. I think we need to, <laughs> I think that's something maybe we should emulate, Brian. <laughs> no, I like, I like where I'm at, Sam. I've got one up on you and I'm pretty happy about that. So yeah. <laughs> Well, Jeff, as I said up front, we had a guest on earlier in the week to talk kind of the whole sailing, you know, mile wide, inch deep. I'd love to get into some just some specific topics that, you know, we've we've seen people talking about, seems to be lots of questions around some different experiences out there, just some things we didn't get a chance to talk about with our prior guest. Uh, but I want to start real general with just when you walked on the ship for the first time, first impressions. Stunning, elegant almost a sense of romantic. I felt like I was walking on a brand, I mean, it was a brand new ship, right? I mean, we know that, but I felt like I was walking into this brand new experience. It was nothing like the other four ships. 
The only thing that was really similar was they announced your name and there was a statue of a character there. Otherwise, it was just brand new. It, it was just, it was awe inspiring. What was really neat for us is walking in, the crew members immediately pointed us above this. They have a brand new stage in the, in the Grand Hall. They call it the Grand Hall now. But there's a stage there, and above the stage is like a balcony, and and Flynn Rider and Rapunzel were up there waving to people as they were coming in, which oh, I thought fun. was a nice. That was a nice touch. It was just, it was unreal. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, it was all the goosebumps, right? Does it does it have that new ship smell, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. You, you know, I, I realized we skipped a step in the process here. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about your first impressions, but I want to back up. You were actually at the christening ceremony, which Sam and I watched online. I know a lot of listeners did as well. Uh, what was your overall impressions of that that ceremony? I'll say we were we were somewhat disappointed that there was no actual bottle broken on the side of the ship. But uh, what were your <laughs> impressions of the ceremony? Yeah, I was I was looking for the bottle in advance of the show, actually. The ceremony, I mean, the show, they pulled it off really well. It was, it was well done, well organized. The thing I hated, and I don't, I don't know whether it translated to TV or not, but the moment that Bob Chapek and Josh DeMauro walked out, it started to drain. It started to rain. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we could that. see that. Yeah. I mean, it was drizzling a little bit. We saw the storm clouds coming. We knew it was inevitable. Uh, we just didn't know what the timing would be. And, you know, of course, this, you know, the CEO and the VP walk out and boom, here comes the, here comes the water. And of course the whole stage became wet. And so we knew that there was going to be some song and dance routine. So I don't know how much of that was impacted because the stage, even after the rain stopped, there was, you know, there was still some show and dance stuff happening, but we thought, we thought the show itself was well done. It was not, it wasn't too long by any stretch. And I'm, and I'm going to say, I, you know, we all have our criticisms of, of things that happen and we, we love so much and we all criticize things, but I'll, I'll tell you, hats off and kudos to Disney Cruise Line's decision to have the wish children yes. be the godchildren of the set of that ship. I mean, when they brought those kids out and the kids did, I mean, you could feel the collective gulps in the audience. I mean, it was just, it was added emotion on top of an already emotional day. Yeah, there were definitely tears flowing in this household when they did that blessing over the ship, when the when the godchildren did the blessing over the ship rather than a traditional godmother. I thought that was a fantastic decision by by Disney. Yeah, and I mean the naming of the ship was smart. All you know, they, it it just all came together really nicely. To your point, I, we could tell on TV that it was raining. <laughs> and that the stage was wet. Uh, and I was very impressed that the dancers were still able to do their song and dance routine on a wet stage. So that is not an easy feat. Yeah. Yeah. And my only criticism, which is really tongue in cheek, is just I, they adhered to every maritime tradition except actually breaking a bottle. So I'm hoping someone <laughs> somewhere just went off to a place in the ship and broke a little bottle somewhere for the, uh, you know, for, for the, uh, what do you would call it? The superstition of it, right? So no, we, we did we, we did hear a, a tray full of glasses drop at a restaurant one night. So we'll, we'll let that count. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> what counts. That. That's what counts. Well, let's let's go back over to the ship for a second. I'd love to deep dive on a few of the experiences on board that, uh, again, we just didn't get a chance to really go deep on with our first talk uh, about the wish. I, I want to start with hyperspace lounge because there's just there's a ton out there about it. Uh, we're, you know, hearing everything from it will be impossible to get into it. It's small, uh, but it's fabulous, right? And so, did you get a chance to experience hyperspace lounge? And you know, what was that like? 
And I'm wondering what the comparison is like between, say, Hyperspace Lounge and Oga's Cantina or Skyline Bar on the old ship. So, you know, what was the experience with Hyperspace? So we got to go into Hyperspace. We, we did the tour when the doors were open early and they weren't actually serving. Beautiful room. I mean, I have to say the, the room is stunning. The screen behind the bar where they have the projection of, of space, I kind of put that in the same realm as uh, what you would see if you went into Space 220 at Epcot. Very high quality. It's just it, very immersive display. So I thought they did a really good job with that. The tables uh, are, are really nice. They have some booths set up. What I liked about the booths is that they, were, they can easily accommodate small groups, maybe eight to 10 people. Plus, they had tables of you know only four. So if you came in with a group, you didn't feel like you had to start moving tables and shifting around. So I thought they set that up well to accommodate. Now, the one thing I will say is we did not go in during operating hours. But I will say we did learn this. And again, I don't know how much of this was because it was the christening cruise and how much of this will be normal under regular revenue sailings. They were, they did have, I mean, they had a velvet rope out front. I mean, it was like, it was like an LA nightclub and they had a host stand out there and you could, you could get in into a line and wait to get into the, into the bar. They were allowing you to stay at a table for 45 minutes. And then you, they were politely asking you to make room for somebody else to come in. The one thing we did find out though, and a lot of people weren't realizing this. And again, I don't know how much of this will translate over to the new sailings. The wait list and the wait line were for tables. But if you wanted to sit at the bar and there's availability, you could walk right in. That was a distinction to make sure I think you ask at the host station before you go in is, you know, are there spaces at the bar that I could just go into without having to wait for a table? When you asked about that space, I think I would put it more similar to Skyline on the uh, on the core ships as opposed to, say, Oga's Cantina. It's a little bit bigger than Skyline, but when you first walk in, that's really the impression you get. Oga's is more circular and a lot more space. This this is it's it's compact in there. It's it's pretty tight. I I have a prediction that it will have this reservation system during revenue sailings, at least for, you know, the first few months, because it is such a, you know, a new space and it, it's going to be quite popular, I think. So I don't think that the wait list or the reservation time system is, is going to go away so quickly. I can't disagree with that. I, I 100% agree with you. I think you know, our, our sailing was at 25% capacity. So I think, I think when we get back up to 4,000 passengers, of course, a lot of those being kids not going into that bar. Yeah, certainly the demand's going to exceed the, the space for quite a while, at least until you start getting some repeat travelers. Along these lines of the bars on board, because this, again, is an area we didn't really get a chance to go deeply on with our last guest. I'm curious, lots of interesting bar spaces on board. Did, did you have a favorite or... I mean, there's been so much focus on Hyperspace Lounge. Is there a sleeper hit here that people should pay attention to that's not Hyperspace Lounge? You know what? They're all sleepers. And, and let me let me start by saying this. Here's, here's the one big difference I noticed with the Disney Wish over the other cruise ships. So I'm primarily a dream fantasy guy, okay? I mean, Port Canaveral is kind of my place. And so I've been on the other ones, but... When I, when I talk in, in these terms, I'm really talking dream fantasy. This ship does not have that district area 
where you kind of feel like you have to go down the dark dungeon hall to be kind of outcast to the back of the ship so that you can have all your adult fun and there's four <laughs> or five clubs in the back, right? I, I love this description. You have to, because I always, we always joke how we have to go through Barcelona. You have to go through the bathrooms of Barcelona to get to Europa on the dream or on the fantasy right. rather. <laughs> it's and And so this ship is not like that at all. So first of all, the bayou is an open air bar area that is just down the hall from the Grand Atrium. If you think of Dream and Fantasy, you kind of like if you're in the atrium and you hang down towards the Walt Disney Theater, that center area where the where the mainsail shops are, that would be where the bar is. And it's wide open. They have tables sitting in there, beautiful decor, live music, hyperspace lounges right next door to it. Nightingales is right next door to it. So they're all right there accessible. So Nightingales is a beautiful, sophisticated uh, bar. It's a piano bar. Uh, so that's really nice. It's a nice touch. I would probably put that in line with pink, only just not as pink. But it's, I mean, it's just a stunning, it's a stunning venue. The Bayou, I mentioned that earlier, definitely open air, definitely a uh, Princess and the Frog theme. Uh, again, subtle nods, but you get the feel. Keg and Compass, I think, is probably the sleeper event on this ship. It's a it's a bar nestled a little bit further back. It's not in that it's not in that open air section. It's it's actually uh, not far from the new venue Luna, uh, which we can talk about a little bit later. But it's a kind of think of like Norwegian seafaring, you know, like the old days of, you know, hoisting your mug in the air and singing sea chanty songs, that kind of thing. But they serve food in there. Like you can get uh, fish and chips and you can get shepherd's pie, you know, all those kinds of. Um, oh, fun. Like British pub style food. British so more, pub style type thing. Yep. Yeah. So more food, more food options than what we have right now in, in the other pubs, I, I take it. that That's, I think, the only real pub where you can do that in. The only bar where you can really get, you know, like like food more than just, you know, those weird little nuts they give you on, you know, when you're playing trivia. But yeah, I mean, Keg and Compass, I think, is a sleeper. And like I said, they'll do some trivia games and they'll use that as a, as a venue. Of course, the Rose is the the bar that is located near Palo and Enchante, the adult dining venues. Just stunning, overlooking the ocean. It doesn't have an outside element like they do on the other ships, but it's uh, it's just gorgeous. So all these bars are really nice. I think the way they have them placed on the ship now really answers that question of the folks who say, well, Disney ships are just cruise ships for kids. There's nothing for adults. This totally flips that narrative uh, around. Well, and I've also noticed they've, they've put some effort into some new, I'll call them drink experiences. I mean, I'm we're not going to get into all the stuff about the $5,000 Kyber crystal drink, whatever that is what it is. But there's these other experiences where you're seeing these drink presentations. I saw one at the Rose. I saw one at Hook's Barbary, which uh, apparently has kind of a lounge bar in it as well. Um, to, I think that's great. There's a, there's a show aspect now to even like going to get a drink. I mean, you even saw really uh, just a gorgeous drink at Nightingale that folks have been taking photos of as they've gone on board. So love to see that investment in that experience in those adult spaces. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Definitely agree. And we we did the we did the rose drink at, at the rose, and it's uh, I, I don't know what the drink is. It was excellent, very smooth. But the, you know they do the smoke under the glass and they swirl it around and 
they'll take the drink over to the window so you can take your video over the ocean and all that. I mean, it's, they, I mean, they're, they're all in on the Instagram. I'm curious, Jeff, since you, you sort of brought up, you know, we no longer have the district. We have these spaces spread throughout the ship. Uh, you know, our last guest, and I've actually seen some things online that, you know, people are sort of saying, oh, the flow of the ship feels awkward. And I don't know if that's coming from a place of, well, I've I've been on other Disney ships and this just doesn't align to my expectations from, you know, because I, I know instantly it's like muscle memory where to go on the dream or the fantasy to do something. This is different and it's a little discombobulating. Did you have any thoughts on the flow of the ship overall? We had the reduction in elevators, you know, all this sort of stuff. But any thoughts there around the flow of the ship? Good question. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. I, I'll say that by the third day, I was really feeling better. It's it's very different. I mean, it's very different. We our our stateroom was more towards the forward elevators, and I actually had a spa appointment one day, and so muscle memory took me to deck five aft because I knew the spa was on deck five. Didn't know it was forward. Uh, muscle memory took me to aft, so I was five minutes late because I had to walk the whole way back <laughs> to the length of the ship. So yeah, I mean, muscle memory definitely was a thing. I, I guess I kind of walked on the ship expecting things to be radically different. And so I kind of maybe put the expectation of similarity in the back of my mind. I didn't really have an issue with getting around other other than one issue. And, and I think it's something that obviously can't be corrected because it's it's physical, but the elevators are only on forward and aft now, right? There's no midship elevators like we have. But if you if you go back to the other ships, the the mid and the forwards are so close to each other. And then there's this big gap before you get to the aft elevators. On this ship, what they've kind of done is move both banks of elevators in a little bit. So there's really no need for midship because the the aft and the forwards are almost like dividing the ship in thirds. So I found that to not be an issue. And each bank of elevators has eight elevators. We didn't see, I, I didn't see any backup of elevators at all uh, during our time, even right after the shows were letting out. So the, the only place where it gets a little quirky is on those aft elevators. Only two of the eight elevators go up to deck 14. All, all eight go up to deck 11, and then four of them go between deck 11 and 14. And it's it's like playing roulette when you hit the up arrow, wondering which elevator is going to show up. And is that one that will take me to deck 12 through 14? And if it isn't, then that door will shut. And then you hit the up arrow and that same elevator opens again. So we had to jump in, send that elevator somewhere else so that a different elevator would open when we called it. It was it was really frustrating for us. So that was that's the only downside. So, you know, we were talking, we would really like to see a system where much like they have a Grand Destino Tower where you say, this is where I'm going, and then it tells you which elevator to walk into. Right, yeah. That's a much better system for that. Yeah, yeah it was. It was but I'm going to tell you, in the grand scheme of everything, to have that one little problem uh, to be a nuisance that caused maybe a five-minute delay, uh, I'm, not, I'm not jumping up and down writing emails and letters about it. <laughs> <laughs> But you didn't notice any, I mean, the ship was reduced capacity, so this may not have been an issue, but you, did you notice any bottleneck areas in the ship because of, you know, how it's laid out? No, I didn't notice that at all. The The shops themselves are actually spread out on deck three, because I, I find the shopping districts to be bottlenecky on, on the other ships, right? So on deck three are really your high-end shops, 
And so, you know, you, yeah, you get some traffic in there, but it's not like everybody's jumping in there to buy. Um, yeah, Bul- Bulgari, yeah, Bulgari jewelry, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right, yeah. And yeah. but, but the, but the, the more souvenir shops are actually up on a different floor, and so they, they, they split those, and it's not near the theater district, so you don't have that. I find it's actually a little bit less bottlenecky based on where they have that. And the and the the other thing I really liked was the the three prominent restaurants. It's not like you're passing them on a daily basis, just walking around. You don't even know where they are until you have to go find them. And I really like that. I even like that about uh, Marceline Market, which is the cabanas of of this ship. It's it's not an extension of the pool deck. It's it's on the same deck, but it's not like an extension. It's not like you know, you're, you're swimming and then all of a sudden you're walking into a restaurant and you're carrying the smell of chlorine with you. It's, it's <laughs> in a separate section and it's, uh, it's, I think it's well done the way they kind of separate some of the, some of the areas from what we're accustomed to because of where I felt there was some negativity with it. Like I said, you know, you going into cabanas or even like flows where you're grabbing those snacks and stuff and eating it right by the pool there. To me, it's just, I don't want to eat all my food with that smell of chlorine. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit ago about um, bars and sort of those kinds of entertainment venues. And you started to talk a little bit about Luna. And I would love to hear more about that space. Uh, I've, obviously, we've seen pictures of it. So we know it's it's two stories. But curious as to what your impressions were of it and what kinds of activities did they have in there? And what kinds of activities do you foresee them having on the revenue sailing? So Luna, I'm so we did not have any activities in there at all during our sailing, other than they we did have a, a sales meeting with all the all the travel sales folks were there, and a lot of the Disney folks were there, and uh, they brought in some of the Imagineers behind the ships and the chefs and folks like that, just kind of have a conversation. So it was really just um, it was almost a conference hall, if you will. So I think what this space is going to be, again, if you're going back to a dream comparison, I think this space is going to be a cross of Evolution and D-Lounge. First of all, that screen that they have is unbelievable. The resolution on that is crazy. It's actually built into four sections. And they they were alluding to the fact that the screen is is a feature in and of itself. And so part of me is wondering if there might not be some robotics attached to it. We were on the Royal Caribbean Odyssey and they have a screen system that has that. And so if they're doing a pre-programmed show, maybe the screen breaks off into four sections and make, and maybe converts from a square into maybe a an elongated lengthy uh, screen or something. So I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 guessing at this point. I think that the stage actually retracts and so it might create a dance floor there. Obviously the chairs in the in the middle uh, are are movable. I think this is going to be the venue where they do uh, I think we're going to see a lot of bingo in here. I think we're going to see some of the like your match your mate type games and stuff that they used to do at Evolution at night. It's it's not an enclosed space. So if, if you're walking on the decks, uh, either, of the, either of the two decks, and you're just walking on the outside, you can hear what's going on. So I think they're going to have to be a little careful with content. I mean, Dis- I, mean, I mean, the Disney adult shows are still fairly PG-13, right? I mean, I kind of think, I mean, Disney's listing it as 
the hub of family fun during the day. So, I mean, I don't see this being the venue where they do family karaoke, where, you know, it's typically six people show up, but definitely I think your bigger events are going to be here. I'll be, I'm very curious to see what type of technology they're going to use with that screen and whether that stage is retractable. But I'm going to tell you, they got some serious money invested in lighting and in sound system in that room. It's, it's an impressive room. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I had a chance to meet several of the agents from My Path Unwinding Travel on a recent cruise we did out of New Orleans in February, our first time sailing concierge. And let me tell you, those agents were so nice, so welcoming, and so knowledgeable to us. They answered all of our questions about concierge, even though we had not booked our vacation through them. We have since joined several of their fabulous Facebook groups where we've learned more about concierge and had even more questions answered. And let me tell you, they are just so responsive, so knowledgeable, so welcoming, such a positive energy in this community that we were so excited to welcome them on as our new show sponsor. So if you are interested in booking your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, you've been curious about concierge, you've been eyeing and adventures by Disney, you've been wanting to explore an all-inclusive vacation or some new destination that maybe Disney doesn't go to, let me tell you, Karen and her agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel are the people to talk to. And remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent to book your travel, they get paid at the time you travel. And so you are leaving this great knowledge and expertise on the table if you're not using a travel agent to book your next fantastic vacation. So head on over to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo so they know we sent you their way and we know you will have a wonderful experience with Karen and the entire team over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show and now back to our episode. Well, we, we can't have a show about Disney cruising without talking about food. Uh, we talked through all of the all of the different venues and, and all of that stuff with our last guest, except that uh, we did not really get into adult dining and we didn't get into too many of sort of, you know, favorite food items from some of the new fi- food items on board. Jeff, let me start with, did you get a chance on the sailing to experience either the Paula Steakhouse or Enchanté? So we did not. Uh, they, they were not open other than by special invites and I was not able to partake in either of those on this trip. It was mainly an executive type thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, my, my sense is they may still be testing the restaurants a little, a little bit. Well, in the main dining then, or just Marceline or on the, um, was it Mickey and Friends, Sam? What are they calling the Festival of Foods up on that's the- That's right, Mickey deck? and Friends. Yeah, Mickey that's and the- Friends. Jeff, what any any standout items that, that you had where you would tell people, if you're getting on this ship, make sure you go get one of these? So Mickey and Friends, uh, the Mickey Mouse, and I don't have the name of it in front of me, his barbecue place. It's actually right in the middle of the Festival of Foods. The ribs are to die for. I have never had ribs this good in any restaurant anywhere at any price. What? And yes, I am not. That's fighting words. I mean, (laughs) I am not kidding you. Someone told me, go get the ribs. And I got, I got like, you know, because I wanted to try everything because they had chicken and I mean, they had the whole deal, you know, pulled pork, the whole thing. And I got like one rib and I was like, you know, I mean, how good are ribs? You know, ribs are ribs. And I went back and I was like, I got the next day I went back. I got like a whole plate. I mean, it was (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah. Best, best ribs I've ever had. And it's, I mean, it's a quick service place, right? 
So I love that. Uh, I'm not a taco kind of guy, but I'll tell you that the taco uh, station, they were making some of the biggest, richest, fullest tacos I've ever seen. (laughs) Incredible. You're speaking Brian's love language right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tacos and ribs. Can we combine those? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The whole festival of foods area. I just, I adored that because it just had a food truck vibe. You know, every little thing has like its own store, its own section. Marceline market. I adored. It was just, I mean, it felt like you were at a street side market, kind of took away that cafeteria feel that Cabanas has and really returned it to something very homey. You know, they had round tables, they had booths, they had a bar set up, you know, so you can sit there and just eat at a bar, just very different setting. A lot of flowers, you know, a lot of decorations, just a beautiful, beautiful venue. I just love that venue a lot. That sounds really nice. Cause I'll be honest, like cabanas for me is generally a miss. I find it to be very cafeteria, like to very mass, mass production food and even pre- and presentation as well. And so it's nice to hear that they have moved, you know, obviously they still have to feed a ton of people. So it's got to have some level of, you know, mass feeding, but it just sounds like it's a much more elevated and uh, feels less like a cafeteria. And the pictures I, I've seen definitely look like that. Did you feel like the food quality was better than on par with, you know, cabanas? I, I, I will say post pandemic, I have been less than impressed with the food quality at cabanas. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We were on the last dream sailing out of Port Canaveral before she shifted to Miami. And Cabana's at that point still had a very limited menu, uh, the post-COVID limited menu. And so we were kind of expecting that on this ship as well. So two things I'll point out about Marceline Market on as far as food quality. First of all, they returned to a full menu. It's it's pre-COVID days in terms of the types of selections you have. The other thing I'll, I'll add is that they actually have a section called... Uh, the word signature was in it. I forget if it was signature classics or signature choices or something like that. But it was really, it was almost like high, higher end food above and beyond, you know, burgers and, you know, grilled chicken and, you know, the salmon that they normally have. It was, uh, you could tell like it was a little bit of, a little bit more TLC put into the, into the preparation of the food. So, and they have maybe six or seven selections there as well. So that's like one section where it's, it's highly elevated. So I thought that was a really cool feature. And the other thing I'll add is, and I, again, I don't know how much of this is permanent, but it, but it really looked permanent that they would be serving you the food. You know, there's been some modifications to kind of block off the self-service and they'll, they'll serve it for you. And, and, but this looked, the, the way it was set up, it looked almost a little bit more permanent that they're going to continue to serve you food as it's not going to return to a buffet style. So we'll, we'll see. I might be wrong on that, but it's, that was my appearance. It just, it looked like it was a permanent build. But I'll, I'll also go back and say that it, at the Festival of Foods, at the ice cream station, it is 100% set up that your ice, cream, your ice cream cones, the free ones, are being served to you. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a full, uh, you tell them what they want and you tell them what you want and they will serve it to you. So Jeff, I'm also curious about, so I, I'm fascinated by the frozen restaurant because tough line to walk with Norwegian food, as we've discovered with restaurants like Akrish's in the park, which remains closed. But w- were there some standout food items at the frozen restaurant that, you know, you thought really just, you know, hit the mark? I am probably the wrong guy to be asking about food. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I am a meat and potatoes guy. 
So you were a fan of 1923 then, probably. I was definitely a 1923 guy. Now, I mean, I, I, I had, I probably had the, the filet at all three restaurants, right? But the, I'm trying to think of what my wife had got. I mean, there was always a, a beef choice, a chicken choice, a fish choice. And then they would always have maybe one or two that were very tied into the theme of the restaurant. So the Norwegian food, primarily like in your appetizers and your soups. Like I had a corn chowder one night and I, I want to say that that was, that was actually at the frozen. It was a really, really brothy corn chowder with potatoes and chicken in it, which was a really kind of a weird combination, but I, I tried, it was really, really good. And I'm trying to remember what my wife had. I don't have the menu in front of me, but she had, it was like this, it was like a big puff pastry kind of thing. And I want to say, I want to say it had scallops in it, but I'm, oh, I might yeah. be wrong. I have that. seen that online. It was, I think have it was a that? scallop. Yeah. Yeah. We heard that actually our last guest said that that was a really, uh, a lot of people enjoyed that dish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, she, so she had that and really enjoyed that. So, so yeah, there's a great variety. I mean, I'm a real picky eater, right? And so meat and potatoes are my guy. And so, you know, I enjoyed the steak in every restaurant. 23 was, 1923 was probably my least favorite, but I think they were just having some kitchen problems with kind of getting started up because we were hearing that from a lot of other folks. So, you know, no, no bashing on them at all for that. But yeah, I mean, it was, I thought the menu was, was very well-rounded, especially for guys like me who are very picky. I want to move upstairs to the pool deck. Okay. Constant source of interest amongst Disney Cruise Line fans uh, because the pool deck on the current ships can get pretty crowded pretty quickly. I think there's a lot of hope that the new tiered pool deck setup would help alleviate some of that. But what were your thoughts around the setup on the pool deck? I love the pool deck. And I'll tell you why I love the pool deck, because our room was on deck 10. And so we didn't hear all the running up and down and carrying on like we normally would on the pool deck. So that was really <laughs> kind of neat. So no, I, seriously, I love the pool deck. First of all, so you had that first pool that's right below the funnel vision. So that's probably, I'm going to say that's probably the largest, if not equal to uh, the large pool on the other side. And that's got to be your kid's soup pool, right? I think so. Yeah. I think that's going to be, now they only had that open one day on our sailing because uh, they were using that stage for a lot of the media events because that's that's located on the same stage. Like if you think of where the uh, sail away party takes place, so the characters are, that's on that same stage. So they, they'll just open that pool up. So they were doing a lot of media out there. So they, they didn't have that open. Now, if then you had that big wide space where on the other ships is where the pools are, right? Here it's just here's just a flat deck, and they keep the chairs up all the time. So the crew's got to love that because they're not constantly up, you know, tearing down chairs and putting them away and bringing them back out. And then you've got the elevated pools on the other side, so you've, you literally have five different pools over there. I really kind of like that because first of all, it it does stop a lot of the running because you just can't run from pool to pool. So I think from a safety standpoint, really neat touch. The pools aren't deep; they're they're not small but they're not overly big but here's the secret to the to the family pool thing is like those aren't the only pools there's another family pool on the ship i want to say five forward but i'm probably wrong it's probably seven aft you know what do i know but there's <laughs> but it's on one of the ends of the ships and they've got all kinds of lounge seating under the shade it's a two level pool nice size it's only two or three feet deep but it's great for for the kids it's a whole different pool that's just not on that main deck. And so I think that spreading the, 
and again, this goes to that footprint and the layout of the ship. I think spreading the people out a little bit instead of having them all glommed into that one space is going to do wonders for um, for traffic and for that feel of not feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Now, did you get an opportunity to try out the Aquamouse? We know this was quite a limited experience or limited availability. So I won't be surprised if you didn't, but curious as to whether or not you did. I did not. And it, it wasn't because it was limited. It's just because I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. And so it's a little challenging for me, but I've seen the POVs through it. But it's, it, I mean, it seemed, seemed to be fairly popular, the ones who wrote it and the ones who liked it. The, just the overwhelming comment is people, I just think people felt it was too short, but um, that was the kind of, com- that was the only real comment I heard, but I, I can't, I, I didn't get to write it, so I can't really speak firsthand. Yeah, the uh, the, PO, the POVs, I, I saw like one POV and I couldn't tell because it was, you know, it was sped up, but it did seem, I, I watched it and I was like, that feels a lot shorter than the one that they have on the dream and the fantasy right now. So yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, if that holds true. And there's only one little section where the tube is actually clear, where you can see out and in. And it's right before you re-enter that second funnel before you get off the ride. So it's it's just it just seemed a little awkward to me. But again, I haven't ridden it, so I, I can't say firsthand. Do you know where where does it load? I you know that's one thing I realized I haven't really figured out. Is it is it kind of similar to the aqueduct that it? you know, loads sort of off or overlooking the pool deck. Yeah. It's, it's in that same area. It's actually on the same deck where the, the adult uh, pool is the, 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 um, the cove area is. And that, and that again, probably another little failure in the layout it, the, the loading area to get on, on the ride, it blocks the, it blocks one of the side, the whole entire sides of the ship to get onto the adult section. So you can only get back to the adult section on one side of the ship. So, yeah, so that's that's a little challenging. I'm curious. Uh, we have not talked about your room. It, it sounds like, I mean, we've seen photos are floating around out there, the various rooms and the high-end rooms especially. But what kind of room did you have? And uh, curious if it maintained, you know, Disney has a reputation for sizable cabins for families, lots of storage space, great bathroom setups. Uh, I've been seeing a little bit of, you know, information online around like lots of outlets are added in now, but what were your impressions of your room? So we stayed in a family stateroom with a veranda, not the deluxe, but just the regular family. But we did tour the other ones. We toured the inside, the family, the deluxe family, Ocean View, and uh, we actually got to tour the new tower suite, which is stunning, as you would expect. So just a couple takeaways on the rooms. First of all, I won't go back into I'm sure you covered the theming with all the different characters and, and before. I, I like that it was fairly subtle. The, you know, the headboard had the different themes of the character, and, and there's maybe one wall picture that ties in. Other than that, that was it. The split baths are still a thing. Each room has the, the full-size tub now. So no more of the little circular tub with the shelf on the side. They're all f- the full size, other than, I think, the accessible rooms, obviously. They all have those. Even the inside staterooms have those as well. Yeah, the outlets now have the USB-As, but they also have in the USB-C. So those a nice uh, added touch for that. The 40, I think they're 45 inch TVs are now located at the foot of the bed, as opposed to the smaller TVs on that little swing arm coming out of the credenza. 
coin flip, whether that's good or bad, right? I mean, if you like to watch in bed, it's perfect. If you're like me and I go to bed three hours later than my wife and we usually shut the privacy curtain, I can have the TV on the other side. Not so good. And not great because the kids can't see it from from the couch or the other bed. Yeah. I, I got to I gotta say that that seems like such an easy issue for them to fix to just put it on a swivel mount. <laughs> so I don't know why they didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. The thing I did like about the rooms, um, they seem to have a lot more connecting staterooms on this ship than they did on the other ones. There's 902 connecting staterooms out of 1,244. So that's real nice. And, and here's another thing we did discover is that, you know, we talked about the rooms being themed, right? And they're themed by deck. So decks, uh, we were on 10. So 10 and 11 are themed with Moana and Little Mermaid. So the question is, well, how do I know which room is which? Well, right now we don't know. As I learned, I, I talked to the director of the of hotel services there, like the head honcho there, and she said, um, she said, surprise and delight are two wonderful words to get to know. And I was like, <laughs> okay. but what I did learn is that if you have connecting rooms, you will get both of the themes. So that was really neat. Uh, the inside state rooms, what we found out is there's no longer a deluxe inside state room. So it's all a standard inside state room, no more virtual portholes. So you do get that themed headboard, the no split bath, but the, the tubs there do have the, uh, the full size tub. So, yeah. So, I mean, we, I was, I love the rooms. I thought the, the size of the room was fine. You know, everybody, all levels get that same gorgeous, comfortable mattress. I mean, I was I was not disappointed in the least with the rooms and good storage. Was there still like plenty of storage for uh, you know what seemed like a family? Yeah, I think so. You know, still you had that under under the bed storage still there. You still have that same cabinetry that you had before across from the bathrooms. I will say this: uh, one thing I did like about what they did here was the refrigerator is no longer one of those little hotel coolers like you get. You know, put put your water in there and maybe it stays kind of cold. It's now a slide out drawer. So like if you have your champagne bottles, you can actually put them in there standing up and you can put soda cans in. It's unbelievable. I was so happy to see that. that that's a great change. The, the smaller state rooms, I mean, you only get so many drawers, right? In the credenza. When you go to that deluxe, it, it opens up a little bit more and you have a lot more drawer space. But I mean, that's always a challenge. But nothing, I, I didn't see any reduction by any means. I think we were all fine with that. Well, earlier in the show or at the top of the show, you mentioned that you had quite the emotional ride <laughs> with the wish. And uh, I just thought I'd ask about that. You know, what was you obviously weren't traveling with you know, just yourself. But, you know, what, what were the emotions around the, the wish as you experienced her over the three days? Yeah, my wife came with me on this on the sailing. We we own the company together. So we were both invited in. I mean, it started with that christening ceremony, right? I mean, it was all the feels and all the buzz, just the, I guess, getting hyped up. And and I know that, I mean, I know that was a one, one time experience and I get it, but boy, when you walk onto that ship and you just, it's all new and it's bright and white and gold. And you look at the brand new chandelier and you're, you're, you know, you're embraced in this Dis world of Disney, right? And you know, the magic and, and the, the key word on the Disney wish is the word enchantment, right? And, and I think that word really embodies the, the entire ship. My opinion is when you sail the other Disney ships, you're always looking at it through the eyes of a child. On this ship, you can look at it through the eyes of an adult and have the same enchantment. 
and yet still look at it through the eyes of a child. Well, I like the description you gave of it being romantic. I hadn't really thought of it in in that way, but I think that really fits perfectly. I mean, it's when you look at that chandelier, for example, the it's less whimsy and more romance than let's say on the the dream and the fantasy. And it's 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 got more yeah, more adult, a more elevated luxury kind of a feel. But it is still obviously uh, the grand hall is still, I'm sure, enjoyable to kids as well. It's just has a sort of an elevated experience or an elevated feel to it. Yeah, they, I mean, they gave they gave the adults what they were missing off the other ships without taking anything away from the kids. The stuff that, in fact, the stuff that they've given in addition for the kids blows my mind. I mean, like the the hero thing where they the I mean they have a gymnasium now on the ship. I mean, it's unreal. And high tech gymnasium. I mean, the the lines on the floor are actually lights. They can turn them off, and it's no longer a it's no longer a basketball court. But the stuff that they have on there for kids is it just blows my mind. I mean, I was walking around going, "Oh my gosh!" When I was a kid, I had an etch a sketch. You know, look at what these kids have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was stunning. But but the adults have their space, and the, and they have their world here too to live. And it was it was it was un, unbelievable. Yeah. Speaking of the, that hero zone a little bit, did you see what kinds of, you know, activities or offerings? I, I know there's some kind of, uh, I'll call it like a ninja warrior obstacle course or something over there, but did you see what kinds of things they'll be doing in there when it's not just set up like a basketball court, for example? Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. It's, it's like, like, and I don't know the name of the TV show, but it's like the ninja warriors. Yeah. Kind American of ninja warrior. It's like a competition, but it's still fun and all that. So that's that's kind of what it is. It's almost like um, they're not they're not blow ups. Uh, there's some blow up elements to it, but that's kind of what it is. It just takes half the floor, and it's like you know climb you know climb the slope the slippery slope, and then slide down the other side or go through the tubes and stuff. And so it's definitely a, a thing for for kids. But I, mean, I saw some adults trying their hand at it. Yeah, I was going to ask whether or not it's it, whether or not it's big enough for adults to do because it actually sounds kind of fun. Like I might want to do it. <laughs> yeah, there were some, there were some definitely some adults in there. I've, I heard I heard some stories of scraped knees and elbows. You know, <laughs> I imagine adults trying to be kids, right? Right. You know, but it's really neat. I mean, there's a I mean that whole thing can be transformed into a movie theater. The there's an upper deck to it. That's that runs a circumference of it and it's got, you know, foosball and shuffleboard and air hockey. And I mean, it's, it's a really neat space. It's a really neat, it's a nice space. Cool. So it's like an arcade mixed in that I have not seen at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the decision to enclose that space and turn it into something multi-purpose as opposed to keeping the, uh, the outdoor basketball court. So I think that that's a great, great move on their part. Jeff, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask, is there anything that, that stood out for you that we, we just haven't talked about or any big misses that you experienced on board the ship? So I wouldn't say there was any big misses only because, you know, there was a lot when we were on, there was still a lot they were still working on, right? I mean, they were still programming the the theater shows and things like that. So we did, we, we did get to sample two of the shows that are coming. Uh, we saw maybe, you know, 20 minutes of each of the shows. All I can say is go see these shows. I mean, unbelievable. If you thought Beauty and the Beast on the Dream was a work of art, this all three of these shows are going to be probably exceeding that. I'm so excited. That's my favorite thing. The shows are my favorites, and I'm hopeful that they will be fully up and running for the Maiden Voyage, or at least that we'll get to see you know, one or two of them, even if we don't see all three. 
Well, Jeff, uh, as we wind down here, uh, as we said up front, you own an agency yourself. And so if you want to let folks know where they can find you, if they want to book their fabulous cruise on The Wish, uh, why don't you let folks know where they can find you? Yeah, well, thank you for that opportunity. Uh, yeah, we, we can be found at MyMickeyVacation.com or all over all social media platforms, My Mickey Vacation Travel. Well, Jeff, we really do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to uh, share your experience with our listeners. It's been fantastic talking to you and, and thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting with you guys and getting to know you. Appreciate it and best of uh, luck uh, with your podcast. Well, we hope you enjoyed hearing about Jeff's experience aboard The Wish. We are hustling hard to find you guests who have been on The Wish even ahead of our own cruise on the maiden voyage. If we can't be there early, then we want to find people who have been so we can start to bring you that content quickly. So I hope you appreciate the effort here as we try to find folks who have sailed on The Wish. We've got at least one more person lined up to talk about The Wish before we get on board, maybe two. So hopefully one more episode out about The Wish next week before we sail on the maiden voyage. And then, of course, we've got our own coverage and a lot of great people lined up even after we get back. So, so, so excited to bring you the month of the Disney wish. With that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from JMS and a lot of nines and it reads wonderfully informative. Whether you are new to sailing on DCL or a platinum castaway club member, this show about Disney cruise line is for you. Sam and Brian give their unbiased opinions based on their and their guests, personal experiences. And my kids love when Nathan chimes in super helpful. Well, we are definitely going to have Nathan back on to talk about the kids experience on the Disney Wish when we sail. So wait for that. And thank you for that review. These reviews really keep us going. We're seeing a lot more reviews roll in, these five-star reviews. So really, really appreciate that. If you are new to listening to the show, which we know there's many of you out there, if you love this show, head over and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, you can email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to our voicemail line by dialing 402-413-5590. Stop shouting at your radio and leave us a voicemail. We'll respond to your comments and questions on the air. You can also head over to youtube.com slash dclduo for even more great content. Expect some videos from The Wish to come up over there in the near future as we start to sail. If you'd like to help support the show, you can browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to support this show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation or really any vacation. Use that link to let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.